Welcome advisory group members, and uh, I see there are about nine members of the public in the room as well, uh, to the third ad advisory meeting on reimagining community safety uh, for San Jose. Uh, my name is Cece Vu, and I'm your facilitator today. today. Um, Zuma and Angel have now handed over the facilitation mic to uh, my team and me. We are here again to support you and provide you with a strong process foundation as you do your work for our community. I just want to give them an opportunity to introduce themselves and then um, we'll begin. Abby? Sure, hi everyone. My name is Abby Fulham, she, her pronouns. I'll be helping out with logistics and um, I'm available for anything else. Um, thanks, it's nice to meet you all. Charles, do you want to go next? Sure. Good afternoon, everyone. Charles Harvey, uh, he, him, his pronouns. Uh, I'll be co-facilitating today uh, with Cece, and uh, I'll be actively monitoring the chat um, for any questions that come through, and, you know, we will make a very concerted effort to, uh, to relay those to the entire group. And Cooper? Thanks, Cece. Hi, everyone. Uh, Cooper Tamayo. Uh, the final member of the, the Kearns and West facilitation team here with us today. Uh, I'll just be uh, taking notes, capturing the conversation. Uh, thanks so much, all of you, for joining us. Okay, thank you, team. Uh, before, I just want to cover a quick housekeeping item before we move on. We want to make sure everyone um, is able to join and no technical difficulties barring you from doing that. Uh, we've enabled the chat, as you've heard um, me mention it to Walter. So if you have any technical difficulties, please chat with a team member and they will make sure um, to take care of you. Okay. Um, and so now over to Zuma, Zuma, just for some opening remarks. Thank you. I, um, I'm sorry, I was experiencing some technical difficulties, so I hope I don't come off um, this webinar. Um, so good afternoon, everyone. Thank you for being here, for joining us again in what I think is now the third meeting for this advisory group. Um, and I also want to thank you for, for showing up and for being here today to continue your commitment to reimagining safety for our community. This past year has been especially difficult and our city and the rest of the country are reckoning with centuries of racism of all kinds, structural racism, government racism, personal racism, targeting our communities of color, coupled with a once in a century pandemic. And as you know, uh, the verdict of Derek Chauvin trial was released on Tuesday. And while we have some relief about the guilty verdict, it also reminds us of how much work there is still to do. As seen with the contagion of violence that just continues, like the recent senseless killings of Duante Wright, Adam Toledo, Makia Bryant, we, it seems relentless, right? And as a city, we acknowledge that an oppressive system cannot deliver justice. As an organization, we aim to embed racial equity mindset in all that we do so that ultimately we see marked improvements and outcomes for people who have been victims, survivors of institutional racism, historically underserved, left out, and, con and continue to be harmed. And that is specifically Black and Brown people. 
We are only at the beginning of the drastic changes that we need to make. We acknowledge that. And so that's why this, this work and this group in particular is very important. At this time, I invite you to join me in a moment of silence to honor the lives that have been lost recently. And so we're just gonna take a few, just a little bit of time. So time to reflect. Thank you for that. Next, um, and I don't see him in the room, but I think he's on already. I, we're going to transition to, um, to a land acknowledgement, and it is my honor to welcome Shannon Rivers to lead the land acknowledgement. Shannon is an American Indian cultural liaison at the Indian Health Center of Santa Clara Valley. He is an American Native American spiritual leader for incarcerated Native people. And he also sits on the Los Angeles Department of Mental Health for the underserved community. So Shannon, if you're, if you arrived, and I think you have, I'm gonna pass the mic over to you. Is Shannon in the room? I'm not seeing Shannon yet on the on the participant list, but perhaps when he joins, we can continue. No, okay. I think that he may have joined as a, a public participant. Is mm -hmm. there any way to turn his mic on? Is it show there? And he's we'll get on. him to. He's not on. He's here. Shannon, can you unmute yourself? Hmm. Is he under another name? You is it under counseling? Let's find out. Ooh. Shannon, is this you? I'm here. Okay. Can you guys hear me? Yes. Yeah. Welcome, Shannon. I don't know what happened, but I'm in I can see all of you, but I don't see me on camera, and that's probably beneficial for all of you, but um, I'll, I'll promote you right now to panel. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. It might take a second here. There you go. Somebody's got to promote me. There you go. <laughs> um, first of all, good afternoon, everybody. Thank you, Zoma, for that uh, introduction. Um, Again, my name is Shannon Rivers and I sit on several panels, but uh, one of the things that we do uh, here at our office at the Indian Health Center and anywhere in Los Angeles and uh, throughout the country is we do a land acknowledgement. And that is critical for us to understand that um, even me, I'm a settler here in San Jose. I don't come from these territories. I come from Arizona, Arizona. Um, so, and the reason that it's important is because we strive to honor, affirm, and support, and listen to indigenous peoples and their voices for so long they've been erased. Um, 
that you know throughout this 528 years and the and literally 424 years here in California 442 years I should say 242 years here in California of colonization and forced relocation of indigenous peoples is that their voices have been um, have been a silence so that we you know that we try to create a, a world of humanity that is based on indigenous philosophy that indigenous peoples have the idea of what it means to be stewards of mother earth that we have the key and the successful relationships that we had with our societies for many many generations we come from warrior societies but we come from passionate and loving societies that our understanding of each other is about human race not the color of race and that's the that's the distinction that indigenous peoples had is that we welcomed even foreigners we taught them how to live and thrive on this land and our idea of acknowledgement means that we have to understand that for each and every one of us we are consumers and we are capitalists and that capitalism is killing us and that we are dying slowly we are killing the mother earth we are killing uh our society and because we have all these problems of of harm and 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 murder and outright genocide of black and brown bodies is because we are at unstable we are unstable with mother earth that we are not treating uh, our mother uh, the way that she should be treated and in that becomes the idea of settler colonialism of taking and being a theft of mother earth and so i want us to understand that when we do land acknowledgement we speak truthfully about where the people are where they should be and where we can be as a society and we need to thrive better and we don't need to understand that settler colonialism patriarchy and white supremacy are at the base of a lot of our violence and for people here in this place that you call the united states has been happening for 242 years but indigenous peoples have been fighting settler colonialism for over 524 years so thank you for giving me this time zoma and may we come together uh, and speak frankly with one another and actually do some changing and not just be another group uh, within the city of San Jose, within the cities of the Bay Area or San Francisco or Los Angeles, but actually make some change with one another and talk frankly and speak frankly with one another. Thank you all. Shannon, thank you so much uh, for, for that. And I'm, I'm really glad we can make space for you to make that acknowledgement with the group. Um, it's it's really hard to change gears now, but we we are going to proceed with the meeting so that we can do this important work. Um, and right now, um, we're we're going to change gears and go into just showing you what we have planned for today, so you know what's uh, what we're going to cover. Uh, we're most likely not going to use a lot of slides, but some in some instances we have some visuals to show you. So we're going to sh share a screen right now um, and show you what the agenda is for today. So uh, we have, uh, and we have some 
great chats in the room. I just want to mention up front for members of the public that whenever uh, we have a question from the group, the advisory group um, in the chat, we will endeavor to read them out loud so you all know um, what uh, the, the members are sharing. Um, there's a lot, so we will filter through and make sure the, the, the key ones will be read out loud. And we will have it in the meeting summary as well. So we've covered the welcome and Shannon delivered uh, a very moving uh, land acknowledgement. Um, next, after I review some logistics and housekeeping items, we're gonna take another moment to um, let all uh, advisory group members share some reflections. So we're gonna make space and opportunity for that. Um, and then we're just gonna talk um, about some initial steps in your work um, and setting that up and showing you uh, the process timeline. Um, and then Angel is going to, um, based on uh, some quest a lot of questions from you all about your role and scope, as advisory members of this reimagining community safety um, uh, process, uh, Angel's going to uh, offer an explanation and hope to clarify that for you all. And then we're just going to wrap up, uh, talk about some next steps. We have a lot of meetings coming up and a lot of work. Um, and then uh, we will have public comment. We will reserve time for public comment at that point. Um, I want to open it up to see if there uh, are any additions that we want to the agenda today from the advisory group. Please raise your hand if there are any additions, um, otherwise we're going to move on. Okay, great. So next, just a, another, please bear with me. Uh, we're in a virtual setting. If we were in a room, we'd be sitting in a circle talking about all of this, but I just have to make sure that you all are um, effectively participating. Um, so we're just, we just have some webinar uh, guidelines here. Uh, you all know you use Zoom. Uh, please remain mute unless you're speaking so that we don't um, interrupt others just out of respect. Um, if uh, group members, you want to share a comment or questions, please chat or uh, raise your hand. Um, and in terms of uh, questions, we want, we want to just set some expectations today. We have a lot of information to get out to you, and then we want to also make this space for shared reflection, so it's going to take up a lot of time. Um, so we're asking you um, to uh, limit your questions today to clarifying questions. And if there is a burning question about anything substantive, we will capture it. Uh, we will capture it in what we call the SAFE. Um, and then our process um, for responses to those questions uh, will be that um, uh, city team will prepare re written responses and then we will um, publish them with the meeting summary as an appendix. So you, it will be available to you um, before the next meeting for review. So just wanna clarify on that so that we can keep moving today and then also get to public comment. We only have two hours. Um, okay, next slide, Abby. Okay, we have some um, interim participation guidelines and we, we like this term better than ground rules. Um, and we call them interim because we want your feedback. Um, these are just proposed 
Uh, we want we want to be able to uh, all participate actively, respectfully, and truthfully here today. We want to be equitable and inclusive in our participation. So I know some of you have a lot to say and very passionate about it, but let's make space for voices that generally um, aren't heard. Um, so and then clarify. So try to you know before you give feedback, if you could endeavor to just clarify. Uh, ask a question, um, and you know sometimes that can um, clarify your question for you. And we, you know, just we're, we're working collaboratively toward creating these solutions. Um, so let's uh, have that in mind, and then let's keep it relevant to our agenda topics and our plan here for the meeting, so that we can have a productive meeting. Uh, like I said, we provided the safe for some of those uh, burning questions that come up, and then we will provide responses to them. And then we will also take them under consideration and build them into future meetings as work items. And then of course, it's very important, we uh, consider racial equity principles throughout the process and our work. So um, given this, we are going to ask you for additional items you'd like to to add to these guidelines so that we can build them together. We have a post-meeting survey that we will uh, be sending out to you. You can use that space to provide additional um, comments. If you wanna strike some of this, please let us know that too. Okay, all right, let's um, move on. Uh, do, do, should we pause here for any uh, clarifying questions? Are there any in the chat or any uh, hands raised? Not that I've seen yet. Um, but yeah, we will Great. definitely monitor for those. Let's, let's move on. Um, we acknowledge that there are a couple of new advisory group members here today, and we want to provide them with an opportunity to introduce themselves. I know we have... Um, uh, Desiree Victor, who's uh, taking over for Jessica Nolan, and Sarah Fernandez. Are you both in the room? I'm here. This is Sarah. Hi, Sarah. Please uh, introduce yourself to the group, and we'd we'd like to hear about uh, you, you, your affiliation, the communities that you represent, as well as uh, what reimagined uh, community safety means to you. Yeah. Oh, that's a that's a good question towards the end. Um, hey, folks. My name is Sarah Fernando. I use she/her pronouns, and I am with the Office of LGBTQ Affairs as their senior management analyst. I also represent other groups in the community. So I'm a chief diversity officer for Silicon Valley Pride, and I'm a board governor for Human Rights uh, Campaign uh, Foundation in uh, for the San Francisco Bay Area. Um, a lot of the work that I do is with an intersectional social justice, specifically with uh, trans, non-binary, and gender diverse equity and social justice. So um, in, in my day-to-day, -day, I, I think about making equitable, equitable spaces for, for trans, non-binary, and gender diverse folks, specifically uh, folks uh, that identify as people of color. So seeing ways where I could use my, my subject matter expertise as well as my lived experience to be able to uh, bring greater attention to the marginalization 
and the hurt and trauma experienced by trans folks both not only within county of santa clara but also nationwide. so i have data, i have a lot of lived experience to share with you folks and hopefully my my knowledge would be able to uplift, amplify and empower trans, non-binary and gender diverse folks within this county. so thank you for having me as part of this group and i look forward to moving this equity work with you all. Thank you, Sarah. And we're the, a lot of welcomes to you are filing in on the chat uh, from the group. And uh, Walter, I see your hand up, but can I uh, see if uh, Desiree is in the room to introduce herself? I am. Uh, thank you. And uh, Desiree Victor, site director for the Young Women's Freedom Center here in Santa Clara County. I also, I bring at least 15 years of specific community work here, uh, specifically here in San Jose. I'm a native born and raised out of East San Jose. Um, And I think to me, to answer your question in regards to what does reimagining safety look like to me, at the Young Women's Freedom Center, we work towards uh, liberation of all of our young folks that have been impacted by the system um, and reimagining community safety is actually centering community to respond to um, what uh, our children need in the community. And thank you, sorry, I wasn't prepared to. to. Uh, okay, sorry to put you on the spot, but you did wonderful. And you're getting lots of welcomes from the group filing in here on the chat too. Uh, well, welcome and thank you, Desiree. Um, and I'm going to take a minute to take uh, a question from uh, Walter, or he has his hand thank raised. You. Thank, Walter, thank yes. you very much. Yeah, I just wanted to ask a quick question about the interim ground rules. At yes. what point will at what point will be will do you want us to weigh in on that in terms of adding or whatever? Right away, <laughs> we okay, will okay, have the one, a. So, as okay. in right, like right now, right away, like right now, or should I wait? That's my question. Okay, sorry about that. We, um, we're going to ask you to um, provide that feedback in the after meeting survey that we're sending out, just to write them down so we can capture them and then we can keep going. But if you have a quick one, please share. Yeah, I think it's an important one that should be there. I think majority rules should be a, a very important part. Okay, we'll add that for consideration uh, to, and we'll make sure that Major- the group Oh, sorry. Um, no, go right ahead. I'm sorry. You said majority rules adding to the, the guide, guidelines. Yes. The, yes, ma'am. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for offering that, Walter. Okay. Great. Any other hands raised or any quest, uh, any questions in the chat at this point? So, clarifying questions? Uh, not so much a clarifying question, Cece, but there is one um, relative to, to San Jose Police. Uh, asking for their perspective and what they think needs to be addressed. And specifically, do they agree that racism has infected the ranks and institutionalized compromising uh, the public trust? Um, so I, I don't know if, if that wants to be addressed now or if that's one for, for the safe. Uh, let's give Captain Ta, I think, I don't know if Chief Mata or Chief Joseph is in the room, but, oh yes. Assistant Chief Joseph, would you like to address it? But we can also put it in the safe and then we can provide uh, responses offline. Oh, I'm sorry. 
Chief Mata, you're right next. <laughs> Chief Mata, would you like to address the comment or the question? And then we can provide a more detailed response later. Yes, uh, Cece, I, I agree. In order to keep the, uh, the, the, the meeting moving forward, we'll put it in the safe and uh, we can address that. I can address that. <clears throat> thank you, Chief. And thank you, um, panelists, for that, that question. And we'll make sure to get that question addressed for you. Okay. Any others, Charles, that you read in the chat? Uh, there's one question. Are there models of, or reports of existing work related to reimagining community safety? Okay, well, we'll also put that in the safe. I think there are, uh, we are doing small group work to solicit that from the group. And then also I'm sure the city team has uh, some ideas and we'll be bringing in speakers, but uh, we'll put that in the safe and we'll make sure to address that in more detail. Okay, and the reason why we're reading these out loud is so that the members of the public can have a chance to um, hear. Um, okay, great. Any other, I'm just checking hands raised, no, no more chats, okay. So here's the, the part we would, you know, um, recognizing that this week is filled with mixed emotions and, you know, Zuma's opening, um, to, to Zuma's opening, opening, we'd like to provide an opportunity and this space for this group in particular to reflect on recent police involved shootings, the hate violence going on, and the verdict in the Derek Chauvin trial. Again, if we're in the room, I would just open it up, but we're in a virtual setting. We wanna make sure um, that we all respect each other when we are offering these reflections. Um, so please remain on mute and raise hands so that we can unmute you for, for you to share your reflection so that we don't talk over each other, um, just to be respectful. Um, and then we're gonna continue sharing until the last um, advisory uh, group member has, who wants to share has shared. Um, so we're gonna start that now. And I see Maha with her hand up. Can we unmute Maha, please? Yeah, thank you so much, Cece. And you're doing a great job. <laughs> Just wanted to let you know that. Um, I'm a little concerned about uh, the fact that we don't have a shared understanding of what the problem is that we're trying to address. Um, what data do we have to establish uh, the claim that there is a need to reform the police department in some way, shape or form? I'm triggered every time um, somebody makes an assumption that, uh, that we're defining law enforcement by the Derek Chauvins of the world. And the reason that I'm triggered is because I do a lot of work with law enforcement and I've been doing it for 20 years. Um, and I, um, you know, I have nothing but respect for the institution and for most of the guys and gals that I work with. And, um, you know, I'm not saying that there isn't racism, but if you're gonna, if we're gonna accuse law enforcement of racism as a person of color, I'm gonna make the same claim against the media, against education, against Hollywood, against every sector of society in the way that it, that it, that it portrays Muslims and the way that it perpetuates stereotypes about my people, both Arabs and Muslims. We don't go out and make the assumption that everybody who works for these institutions is necessarily 
um, a racist and I don't, I'm uncomfortable um, approaching this problem by making that assumption or, may, and, or having these claims about law enforcement um, if, unless there is evidence that I'm looking at that tells me that this is the case. And so I'm, this, it bothers me tremendously because I work, this is my work that I do. I've, I've been a, a, a trainer for posts and I work a lot with law enforcement. And, um, and I think it, we're all here in the same space together to, to address the issues that, that the community has. They're very valid issues, but I wanna do it from a place of respect and actual data uh, to, that tells me here's the problem and that we all understand this, the, the, that the problem and that we're, uh, that we're trying to address uh, together. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Maha, for your reflection. Um, I think Peter Ortiz is next. Yes. Uh, yeah, thank you so much, Cece. So I believe um, the question was reflections on the recent trial uh, case um, regarding Derek Chauvin. Um, I think we, the first off, the, the outcome and the verdict of the trial was a step in the right direction, but it was not justice, right? Uh, black and brown members of the community will continue to have their family members' lives stolen by members of the police department due to the systemic racism that exists. We can choose to acknowledge the facts, but um, if, if we have facts knocking on our doors and we continue to refuse to open it, that doesn't mean that those facts are, are, are not existent, right? Here in San Jose alone, we have families who will never be able to uh, have their day in court due to uh, a system that has for too long protected law enforcement and protected uh, uh, cities, specifically the city of San Jose, to make it so that they're not liable for uh, the lives of black and brown uh, uh, residents. A, a great uh, example of this was the life of David Tovar, who was, who's, who was murdered by the San Jose Police Department in an apartment complex where young black and brown kids lived, where they, uh, without caution, released uh, firearm bullets out of a, a semi-automatic weapon that could have easily killed one of our East San Jose children. Um, so that's the reality that black and brown uh, people live in. And I know that if you're not Latino or black, you may not come into to interaction with negative uh, experiences with police officers, but it happens on a daily basis uh, uh, in, in East San Jose. And I, I also find it disrespectful how this, you know, and it's, and I know that there's a court case going on and you can't mention specific names, but there's local you know, there, there's local families who we never mention their names uh, here in the city of San Jose regarding their lives who, who have been lost. We don't have to point across the country to uh, black and brown people being killed uh, by police when people are being killed right here in the city of San Jose, right? So I push back on the alternative facts that are being presented. Um, the data is clear. Uh, there is police terror that is occurring and the way we can address that is by relieving some of the responsibilities that are on the police's shoulders and focusing on alternative ways to police here in the city of San Jose. Thank you. Thank you, Peter, for sharing. I think William Armeline is next. Please uh, unmute. Okay. 
Hey, everyone. Uh, first of all, it's nice to see so many of you today. So many of my colleagues and many of these struggles are in this group. And so it's just good to see y'all. Uh, I want to agree with with uh, everything Peter just said uh, in terms of not having to look elsewhere for this problem. We shouldn't need all these other court cases to be aware of these problems or to have personal connections to them if you're a member of any of our communities, frankly. So I really appreciate everything Peter said, and I, I would imagine that my colleagues at Debug would double down as well on those on those comments. Um, and so I, I want to also respond to the question about uh, defining the problem. And I would be remiss as a scholar on this committee, and I, I want to note that my my colleagues uh, Jamal, uh, Scott, uh, 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 Kathleen, and others are jumping in with me, and so I'm not going to pretend to speak for for all of us. But I, I think you have the resources here uh, between all of us from the scholarly community to, to help us define this problem. And I will tell you, it's a problem that has been thoroughly defined in the field of critical sociology alone for well over a decade. Actually, we're going probably on 30 years of defining this problem in terms of institutional or structural or systemic forms of racism, where in fact, those of us that actually specialize in this field uh, believe that or not, like some of us actually make our living studying this exact thing. This is not a mystery to many of us. This is not new or news to many of us, just we're often not asked. Uh, uh, so, so we would be happy to provide any and all of that um, to the extent that that's actually necessary at this point. But what I would, I would sort of emphasize is that if you look at the scholarship on systemic racism really over the past two decades, um, that all of it agrees that every uh, sort of era of systemic racism in the West or to primarily in the United States, uh, uh, one of its defining features is that of social control. Almost all scholars agree, there is virtually no disagreement on what I'm about to say, is that the modern uh, sort of institution most charged with that social control. If I'm speaking in a Gramscian sense, this would be the way the state and the ruling class rules like the lion, not as the fox, is through criminal justice and policing. That is no, not even remotely controversial to say in sociology at this stage. It is not remotely controversial to suggest in, in any aspect of the study of race and racism in sociology to say those things. And when we levy that critique, that critique is levied at the macro institutional slash structural level which means that yes, sometimes that indicts individuals and sometimes it does not. The point is, is the point of analysis is not at the, the individual level. The point of analysis is at the institutional, structural or policy level, if you will. So I'll just say that I, I, I really don't think this group needs to be hamstrung with that kind of question. I think instead, if that's something that needs to be covered, you have at least five people individually or collectively on this group that can provide that information very quickly and, and uh, in abundance. Thank you, uh, William. I'm hearing a lot of lived experience as well as knowledge and expertise. Thank you for sharing that. And um, uh, we're going to, uh, I'm going to call on um, Kathleen Wong next. And then Walter and Maha will, you're, uh, you're on our, in our queue. Thank you very much. Uh, I appreciate uh, my colleague, William Armaline for what he has stated. And I, um, what I wanna add additionally is a lot of times, you know, oh, I would say a lot of times, I would say mostly 
when we look at law enforcement data, it is really the unit of measurement that's really a problem as well, right? So regardless of the data that we get, from the get-go, we're not looking at from a sociological perspective as well as from, I would say, from a social psychological perspective, right? When we're looking at bias, um, we often don't look at, for example, the differential ways in which people react and are able to differentially impose restrictions. So, you know, the latest one about air fresheners, right? How many white people get pulled over for air freshener violations versus black and brown people? So, so that, that data is not going to be available. And so it's the differential if imposition of power through legal means that's really what we're talking about and often the data that, again that we get is doesn't measure that and so i want to challenge people to think about how we think of what is valid data is also um, uh, we've been trained through our own education through systemically racist institutions to understand what is valid data um, and so my you know what what i hope to bring and i think our colleagues hope to bring is to really shift the way that we think about the problem and problematizing data as well as problematizing how do we approach what the problems are. The problems that we have are not personal attacks on individual police officers. It's really about systemic institutional culture, ways of practice, the ways in which people normalize that this is what constitutes good policing and safety. And I think that's what the purpose of this group is. And so I challenge us to really all of us think outside of what we normally think and to really dream big. How do we how do we um, expand how we understand what safety means? You know, safety also means having definitions of what safety and what um, police interaction looks like defined in community terms. You know, what does a, a community that belongs feel like is an ideal police interaction? What do, what do people wish that they could call the police when they really needed to and they could trust what would happen? I don't think we ask those kind of questions. And so it's really important, I think, to have a very community-driven definition um, that hopefully will emerge from the wisdom of this group in terms of the, when I look at the wide variety of people that are represented um, on, in this group. And so I just wanted to con you know, challenge us conceptually to think about what, it, what constitutes good data and why, why is it that we doubt um, data that is alternative when, when other people don't have access to the institutions that devise these data collection processes as well as interpret them and then uh, roll out policy based on it. So sorry to sound like I'm teaching a grad seminar on, on structures and systems, but I think it's really important for us to challenge ourselves to think. Um, and, and I appreciate um, my colleagues who have spoken already. Thanks. Kathleen, thank you for sharing your expertise. I'm hearing data is definitely important as evidence to, in these conversations to make durable change uh, for the on the topic of safety. Um, Walter, I'm gonna call on you next. Thank you very much. Um, so my previous colleagues who just spoke, um, I, I agree with most of what was just said. And um, I wanna say this, that the city of San Jose was the second one in the nation, first one in California to take statistics on traffic stops. This is during the campaign against black and brown uh, while driving in the 90s. And what, and so it's interesting because the first person that spoke said she was here for 20 years and she needs data. And I don't mean to talk specifically to her, but I'm telling you the data exists. We, we, it was proved then that black and brown people are more likely to be stopped for minor traffic infractions than any other, than certainly white, white, white people by, by three to one margin. And the other thing that we discovered is guess what? It's about the culture of law enforcement. 
During that time, the city of San Jose was allocating 75% of its traffic cops to East San Jose. 75% of his traffic cops were allocated to East San Jose where black and brown people live. It wasn't just about individual police officers. It was about the practice of the law enforcement institution in and of itself, like all the other institutions here. The other thing that the other thing that's that's jumped out that's been been very consistent <clears throat> is that black people in the city of San Jose have been victims of, of uh, use of force between 15 to 20% of all use of force towards a population that's two and a half percent of the city for the last 20 years. That's almost been consistent. Even when the overall arrests are down, that, that number still remains consistent. Those numbers are real. You don't have to go out and search and find them. So, <clears throat> so the idea that it's about you know one or two cops, it's not about that. It's really about the culture of law enforcement because this practice continued across, it didn't matter what color the cops were, they were, they were continuing to practice racial profiling. They were continuing to practice excessive use of force against black and brown people, particularly black people. So th these are facts that still remain today. And if I've worked with law enforcement here for 40 years and I've known this, but when we started taking those statistics and they exist, you don't have to like, you know, go anywhere and find them. <clears throat> like William said, <clears throat> excuse me. And, and I don't think that, um, you know, from where we live and where we work and where we stand right now, I don't think we should waste a lot of time on that because I think we already know what the facts are. It's been stated by the police chief has stated, um, you know, others elected officials have stated that they understand that this, this, this scourge of, of, of um, racial injustice is real. It's, it's real in this, in this institution, in the institutions in the city, in the county and in the state in educational institutions. We see it across the board in the Black Leadership Kitchen Cabinet. We, we have statistics. We have actually done our own studies on this, <clears throat> on the uh, racism that's in, uh, in healthcare with Blacks, the same racism that exists in education. That's why we, we, we're focused in our community on not just talking about these issues. We're focusing on how do we address them and how do we fix them ourselves because we can't lie, rely on the institutions that's been practicing this racism against our families and children for years to do it. We're doing it ourselves. So, and I think that's an important distinction. About the trial of Chauvin, I'm gonna say this, that conviction is an anomaly. You know, people say, oh, it's the start of, you know, something new and different. After it happens 200 times, maybe, but this is an anomaly. This is not, you know, and I'm glad that, it, that the, the outcome is what it was, but make no mistake, this is an anomaly. This does not happen. They've shown videos of, people being 30, 40 feet away from cops and grand juries letting them off. Time and 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 time again. This is an anomaly. Hundreds of millions of people have seen George Floyd die over and over and over again throughout the world. Hundreds of millions of people have protested against it in countries all over the world. The outcome had to be what it was, but no mistake about it, this is an anomaly. So. Don't, don't drop your guards. Don't think, oh, because that happened all of a sudden, it's a new day, because it's not a new day. Well, we saw that. We've seen what, for, how many people were killed during the trial? Just, just in the last week or so, how many black people were killed by law enforcement? So, you know, this is an, an anomaly. I'm glad that it happened. It is not justice, Brother Ortiz said, and we have a whole lot of work to do around that. But I caution, you know, the whole idea that we're talking about individual cops. In some cases, we are, for a fact, talking about individual cops and their practices. And more importantly, and this is what I said to 
to the uh, San Jose uh, captains in the command. You know, you've been in this department for 15, 20 years. You know who the bad cops are. You know who the ones are going to kick a person in the head unnecessarily. But what are you doing about it? What are they doing about it? The other thing I want to say to you guys is this. <clears throat> the IPA in the last two or three years have had more complaints about cops from other cops than ever in history. So maybe something is changing. I'm not sure. We'll continue to watch and see. Thank you. Walter, thank you for sharing. Yeah, um, there's a lot on your mind and, and we hear you. Um, uh, so Maha, you're next. And I just wanna reassure Desiree and Salvador, you're in the queue. I also saw Tiffany's hands up and maybe she dropped off, but um, Tiffany, I flagged that you wanted to speak as well. I'll go ahead, Maha. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to make it brief because I already spoke and I just wanted to clarify and I really appreciate what Peter said, what William said, and what Dr. Kathleen also said. I did not say that systemic racism doesn't exist. I didn't say that. And I, and I, I want to clarify that, that this is what I teach about and this is what I teach against. And as Walter said, my organization does nothing but cultural competency and cultural, uh, cultural education. And I think that systemic racism exists in all of the different institutions. My comment uh, was about assuming that every police officer is, is, um, is racist because, uh, because we live in a racist society or because uh, the institution um, is, uh, you know, is, is, is racist. That's what I was commenting uh, about. And I think that in order, for, in order for us to be constructive and to actually get work done, I actually need a shared understanding of what the problem is. I read the same data that everybody reads, but specifically with regard to San Jose, what is, what is the specific pro uh, problem that we're trying to solve? Making an assumption that we're all on the same page on this issue, I think would be a mistake. And I need to have that in order for me to contribute constructively to the conversation, which I'm very interested in doing. I define the problem based on the most vulnerable aspects of the community. That was the first thing that I said in the first meeting, that how do I define um, uh, uh, you know, uh, public safety? Well, ask the most vulnerable members of the community. And, 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 I, and I wanna work to improve that. But I think that there needs to be a conversation, some paper, some white paper that I can read that helps me understand what is the shared problem that we're trying to address specifically in San Jose to move forward. And then also just to make sure that, you know, law enforcement, the people from police here with us are our allies. They were, you know, we're here to, to, to address a, um, a concern, a common concern. Let's put it down on paper so that we're clear on what it is that we're trying to solve. That's all I'm saying. I'm not questioning whether systemic racism exists or not. I'm a victim of racism every friggin' day, every day. I talk about it in my trainings. Okay, so I don't need to be schooled on that. Um, I'm asking for what is the problem? What is the specific problem that we're trying to solve? Thank you, Maha. And I'm hearing a few asks from you um, for clarification and we're noting that and we'll make sure that um, the work coming up will incorporate um, some some responses and um, appropriately to your questions. And, and, you know, I encourage everyone here to uh, speak their voice. This is what this forum is for. And everyone has a, a different um, lived experience. So let's move on now. Um, Desiree, please share. 
Thank you. Um, I ask for grace as um, I move forward through emotion, um, especially in the sense uh, as a brown woman um, who has experienced and nearly every person in my family has had negative experiences with law enforcement. Um, there's a visceral response. Um, so I, I'm, I'm trying to navigate that as I speak to you all. So if you hear my voice crack, this is a real life visceral response from people of color who have been impacted negatively by the police and the police state. So in regards to our reflections and just responding to some of the commentary, looking at the social, historical, and political context of the law and the policing system, it was created to protect specific people, right? And the system is not broken. So that's where we're going to come into. That's where we're going to we're, we're going to bump heads is this notion of reform, right? Reform would be to fix something that's broken, but the system, but the, but it's doing exactly what it was created to do in terms of social control, including, and specifically when it comes to policing and controlling black and brown bodies, that it has pushed into poverty and exclusion from access to resources to be able to overcome that, right? Um, and the data is not far, right? We don't need a white paper. You just need to listen um, to the voices of the young folks that have been impacted by the system, to the families of the folks that have been impacted by the system. Um, so that, sorry, I need to catch my breath, but I, ju I just wanted to reflect on that and, um, and, and say that out loud in this space. Thank you. Please take your time, Desiree. Do you need more time? Thank you for sharing. Um, okay, uh, so we have Salvador next, and I just want to acknowledge that we have William, Fred, and then Jamal and Sarah uh, in our queue. Please Hi, Cece. Um, thank you. Uh, good afternoon, everyone. Um, the, I'm in the same boat as Maha in terms of, um, you know, really uh, not having clear in my head so far, uh, what are the issues that we're trying to address here? Uh, the uh, other question I have is, um, you know, and, and so I, I, I would like to ask that, right? I mean, if, if we can get clarification on that, this is the third meeting and uh, so far I, that's still not clear to me. The other is to, um, you know, um, are we going to be allowed to define the issue ourselves? And, uh, you know, because I, uh, I hear a lot of uh, voices in this uh, panel that are calling for real, um, you know, uh, changes. And so um, my question is, uh, if we are going to be as a panel, uh, be given the, um, um, the liberty to define the issues uh, that we want to address, or what are the parameters that the city is envisioning, you know, uh, in which we're going to be moving, and uh, what are the issues that we're going to be um, um, allowed to, um, to address? Thank you. Thank you, Salvador. And um, I just want to pause here to see if um, Angel Zuma want to just address that, not necessarily 
uh, give a response, but ad address these questions that we will be um, covering the, some of these issues and trying to give some clarity. Yeah, you know, Cece and Charlotte, you know, actually on one of the slides that I'm going to go over, I'm going to attempt to kind of really clarify the focus and the role, and hopefully that'll answer that question. So when we get to there, by this meeting, we will hopefully get that clarification. So we have we have that aspiration. Um, think, uh, so uh, I see William next, and Fred, and then Jamal. And then we also have Sarah. I'm gonna be super fast because I already spoke earlier and I, and so obviously uh, I wanna thank Chava because I think he just said what's on all of our minds has been on all of our minds, I think since the first meeting. So that's one of the reasons I'm gonna cut my comment short. Uh, so I agree, I think that's really what's in front of us to decide. But I do see that as, as um, uh, the sort of practical question that's separate from the conceptual, the question of our conceptual understanding of some of the language we're using and the concepts that we're bringing in. And I, I think that's less important, frankly. <laughs> and I'm in the scholar even, and I, I think I think Java's question is more important right now because I think people have to figure out like, why are we doing this? Uh, and then we can get into some of these philosophical conversations. But I do want to address one thing quickly so it doesn't get lost in the conversation. Um, and and I, I'm not, you know, focusing on an individual, but this is, a, this is a general discourse, right, about we get in this conversation about individual racists. And I, I just have to remind everyone that in the field of sociology that actually studies racism, racism is not an individual concept. It literally isn't. We don't talk about individual racists in critical sociological scholarship because that's a nonsensical concept. It literally does not exist. The word racism, by definition, by definition, is a structural systemic concept. We do not speak of it in terms of individuals. Individuals can be biased for all kinds of reasons. And identity politics have blurred this understanding of the system and concept. There are, everyone can participate in racism, regardless of your identity. And they do all the time. And we can all name those people. <laughs> like we, we, we must get away from this notion of, Wait, are you calling me a racist? No, no, that's literally not what the word means among those of us who study it. Talk about racial bias, talk about all kinds of bias at the individual level all you want. If that were our problem, it'd be solved. We would not be meeting today. So I just want, I just want to be very clear. Like There are certain things that I'm willing to tolerate. It's like, let's talk about it. Let's be subjective about it. Let's all give our opinions and things like that. But once we start just like getting into these, you know what I mean, understandings of things that we have 30, 40, 50, 100 years of scholarship to define, uh, you know, and all these sorts of things, and the experts are all here. I just think that's a, not a very good spending of our time. So again, like we can get at that conceptual clarity stuff, all that we want, and, and I'm here to help, others here to help do that. But I do think all of those things said, Chava's question is perhaps where we should go with this conversation, also seeing that we're already an hour in. Um, and I'm, I'll stop talking because I promise. Thank you, William. And I think, you know, we're making this space for y'all to share. I know there's a sense of urgency around this and I, I know that there is a need for clarification and we, um, Angel is prepared to um, offer that today, but we also want to uh, make space for some of our other members to share as well um, and who've been patiently waiting. So we have uh, Jamal and then we'll take uh, Sarah, Fred and then Tiffany. I thought Fred was before me, so I don't want to jump the gun. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, if I yeah, go just- ahead. Go ahead, Fred. I'm, yeah. I'll go next. 
Fred, do you want to, Jamal is deferring to you first, which is very kind. Um, can we unmute? Oh, Fred, can we? Okay, he's having audio problems. So maybe Jamal. Okay. And while uh, Fred troubleshoots his audio problems. Can... Yeah, for sure. Um, hey, everybody. Um, this is my first time being able to make it to one of these meetings. Um, I'm, I, I feel like, you know, first off, I don't like going after Will because he's very intelligent and said a lot of stuff I was going to say. So he stole my comment. But um, to the point, I, I, this whole idea of like a shared, like, what is the problem we're trying to solve? I mean, we got to be past that by now, right? Like, we got to be past the, what, what the problem is that we're trying to solve. And if, and if we're all not trying to solve the same problem, then break us up into groups because the Black people I talk to know what the problem is and we know what we want to solve. So if, if, if some of y'all don't, we need another meeting for that, I feel like, because what are we doing? We didn't talk to the chief yesterday. We've been talking for, 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 for years. I've been, I've, and, and, and years before I got here, like the community knows what the problem is. Who's listening is the question. And the people that need to figure out what the problem is that we're trying to solve, maybe we can do a tutorial or a training or we can have some other focus groups. But we can, we can move forward because like there's some very intelligent people in this space. There's some very active people in this space. There, there's, there's, the, there's the people speaking on behalf and with and for the community. We can give a list of problems with data. We can move forward. But we don't we don't need we don't need to we don't need to go back and forth about defining what the like if that's the we got definitions. We wrote definitions, we got we got doctors on here that have, have written up what the problem is and, and we've surveyed the city and we have stats and data. So let's 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 jump forward to, to something past defining an issue that we we all might not we might all might not agree on but we can we can look at a community perspective we can take it community by community if 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 that's if that's easier since 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 we may have some some uh variance in what we see but but uh, most of us are ready for action it's been a hard week and we're ready to see some movement in 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 San Jose and and we 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 know what the issue is and to the point just just real quickly look man if we're going to talk about are the police racist? Is the institution racist? All I'm gonna say, however you define it for yourself, is we all saw the report that there were San Jose Police Department and a racist Facebook group. That's enough for us to make some real changes, right? Like, I don't know which, which one of the police were in or weren't in that group. So when I'm outside with my kids, I don't know who's showing up. So that's enough right there. Like, let's start with just that if we need some empirical evidence. But we got it. We got it. We got it. We can do better. We can do better than that. Jamal, thank you for that. And I, again, I hear your sense of urgency um, to act and work. Um, and I've also heard some ideas on how we could do this work most effectively. So we've captured that. Thank you very much. And um, so we have three hands raised: uh, Sarah, okay. Fred, and. Tiffany, and then um, we're not going to read all of the chat uh, shared reflections. We'll capture that in the meeting summary. But I think after Tiffany, we're going to wrap up so that we can move on with um, the meeting and talk about some of the work that we're doing. Um, and I think, Sarah, if you don't mind, it seems like somehow Fred uh, dropped on my uh, participant list. But um, Fred, if you have troubleshooted your 
uh, audio issue. Are you able to talk and hear us now? Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. I, I'm going to be very brief. Uh, what Brother Jamal was saying is a lot of what I wanted to say. All the, There's so much expertise that I've noticed in this panel, and I call it a think tank now, is my question is, when is this information going to get to the people that really need to have it? Such as the, the men and women that's actually walking our streets and driving our streets, patrolling our streets in the police department. We know what the problem is, but it seems to me there's a, a, a break-off point between community and the men and women in the police department that's actually out there doing their job and upper management. It's not getting to the people that needs to get to. Racism is never going to go away. You have to be real about that. And um, that's, that's my point. Let's get the information to the people that really need to have it. I mean, there's more that can be said. Uh, time is a factor right now. But all this talk about racism, yeah, it's here. And uh, that's, you know, I've been in this community over 40-some years. I even uh, went and decided to be a part of the <laughs> Citizen Police Academy because I wanted to find out why they do the things they do. And the things they do is they're going to go home safe. They don't care. That's their, that's their main thing. I'm going home safe. So we need to get all of this expertise that's in this room right now Confine it, get it to those individuals that need to have it. If you know you have police officers not doing the job, have a zero tolerance. Zero tolerance is what you got to come up with. And hopefully that will be one of the steps that we can start taking instead of this ping pong and fooling around with this thing. Because uh, it's just a waste of time if you don't want to really just do something about it. Fred, again, uh, the sense of urgency, I really feel it. Um, thank you for sharing. Um, Sarah, thank you for waiting patiently. And then to me. Thank you. And um, I just want to give a big shout out to Desiree for giving me like a, a little dose of courage because uh, what you said and how you sh shared it really resonated with me. Um, I just want to bring up the, the historical uh, marginalization of LGBTQ folks. Um, ever since Stonewall, so LGBTQ folks have been experiencing the distrust in law enforcement. And let's not forget that Stonewall happened 51 years ago with that distrust and that, that, that resistance against law, against law enforcement. And the thing is that that distrust even stems to this day. Uh, studies show from a 2015 uh, research study by the Transgender uh, National Center uh, in the nation, uh, around 50% of trans folks don't uh, trust the police. And if you are a trans person of color, that raises up to 60%. Um, and you look at the statistics, even today, within the month of April, uh, three black trans women were murdered within this nation alone. So we're talking about, and the thing is that this kind of information does not go public. And we have to really think about like, well, if, if black trans folks or trans folks in general can't distrust or can't trust the police to go to when they feel that their safety is in danger, then where do we go? So Rima Fennell from Charlotte shot in her 20s, talking about Dominique Luscious, 26 in Missouri, who was shot, Jada Peterson in Charlotte also, who was shot, and even here in California, in Southern California, 
Rihanna Pardo, who identifies as Latinx, also killed for being transgender. So when we look at some of the data that's out there, like last year alone, 44 trans folks were killed, uh, 22 of which were black trans folks. This year alone, 15 murders. I thought it was 14, but that number went up this week with 15 trans murders, nine of which were black trans women. And when we think about who we go to in terms of finding that sense of safety, that security, that distrust in law enforcement, that's historical. And when we see actions from, you know, local police departments and law enforcement locally, when we see anti-transgender social media posts, when we see this uh, disrespect of pronouns, this disrespect of identity, not believing uh, transgender identification when we're, when we're law-abiding citizens, or even when we don't believe transgender sides of the story, that further causes that rift, that distrust, and we have to really rethink about how we're trusting law enforcement across all intersections beyond gender, beyond race. So again, intersectionality plays a big role and it's the heavy lift of law enforcement to be able to build that trust with the community because we have a room full of experts that could speak from lived experience that could give that data. But at what point do we actually believe these stories and make sure that we make the policies and we hold the law enforcement accountable for the actions uh, to build that level of trust? So a little bit of what I have to say. Thank you, Desiree, for giving me that little dose of courage. Thank you, Sarah, for sharing that. Tiffany, and then we're gonna wrap up our sharing uh, section and then go uh, move forward. Hi, thank you. Um, and I will try to be brief also. I, I just, I wanted to address a few things because I've been sitting here listening and feeling very emotional by the tone of the meeting towards people. Um, and I, I guess I just want to, one, say that I don't think that even though the majority of the group um, shares a vision or an understanding of what they perceive the problem to be, I don't think that we can say that that's the only problem or that everybody has a single lens view of the problem. Um, the last speaker talked about the LGBTQ community. I've spoken about the disabled community. And I definitely think that ableism and racism and classism intersect to really elevate risk for community members. I also want to speak to Maha and and I sorry for saying your name specifically, but um I, I, I've, I almost feel a need to protect her point of view and just stand up and say, I, I get it and I appreciate you being honest, even though the feedback or the, 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 the response of a lot of, or my perception of the response is negative. And I, I want us to remember the whole community is watching and, um, I, I view my role, this is my personal view of my role. My role, I bring a lot of lived experience as someone who presents as very white, but grew up in a non-white family. I was born and raised in San Jose on South 22nd Street. So I, I just think that 
to narrow it down and i i get racism i i'm not denying that but when we think about an entire community and recognizing that the entire community needs to feel safe we need buy-in from the entire community to really affect change then getting a consensus of what racism is what implicit bias is i mean as academics we might know but we need to reach everyday people that are confused by what it means by who are confused by defund i have friends who are like what do you mean no police and i'm like well no you know so i, I think we need to be cognizant that there's the communities watching us and we need to model respect and be open to hearing different points of view even i i get the urgency i i feel it i really do and i'm more than happy to talk to anyone about that off camera but i feel like my role for the disabled community isn't to bring what tiffany has experienced and tiffany's fears but to try to understand everybody's fears so that we can understand trust and move forward and i but I, and I hope I'm not hated for saying that by everybody. You know, can I just say one thing really quickly? I, um, I really appreciate what Tiffany just said because I do feel a little bullied in this, um, in this space. Um, I do, sorry, William, sorry, but I do. And I, and I, and I think that you need, to, you need to hear that from me. Um, I'm talking about process, people. I'm just talking about process. I put a link about you know how you go about solving a problem. This is not uh, you know uh, science or or or, or, or math or um, th this is just like basic you know basic problem solving um, you know for all of us just to define the problem for all of us. I'm not saying that those stats don't exist, that these issues don't exist. I am here to be constructive to contribute. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I I agree that the tone has been quite harsh, and um, and I and I feel um, you know, and I said this in a in a in a, in a private setting with a with a smaller group of people is that I don't feel that I my voice belongs in this in this uh, in this space. Like I can't really uh, you know share my perspective, and this is a case in point. Is that when I do, it's um, you know it's. Um, is treated the way that it has been. Um, and I've been talking about process. I haven't been talking about uh, anything uh, other than that. Mm -hmm. So Maha, thank and Tiffany, thank you for sharing that and Maha for your response. Um, I just want to acknowledge um, your feelings on this. And, you know, this group, I observe that you just, you have lived experience, you share that, uh, you have differing perspectives and to honor different perspectives as we do this work. And that's going to really result in rich and meaningful um, you know, uh, outcomes for the safety of the community because you are representing larger community of San Jose with differing perspectives. And I just wanted to uh, close with that. And Kathleen and Walter, if, is it okay if we move on? Um, we want to give everyone a voice, and I know that you've spoken already. If it's okay for us to move on now um, so that we can get some of these questions answered and just get to some of this work, if that's okay. And then perhaps you can submit um, some of your comments uh, through chat, and we can capture it that way. We are at 2.14, and we're, we need to also reserve time for public comment. Okay, great. Thank you. And um, 
with respect, um, you know, this is great, but with respect, we will change gears now um, and move on to our uh, planned meeting. Um, and just just to show you, I mean, I, I, I think you uh, some a lot of you are curious about our timeline with this work because it's a short timeline, but we're going to bring up um, a visual so that we can talk through this a little bit easier since we're not all together in a room um, with a with a whiteboard or anything like that. So we're going to pull up this timeline. Um, this is yeah. Abby. I can pull it up. I am seeing some comments that Gabrielle, who has not spoken yet, had their hand up. Um, I yeah, think and I, we didn't see it in the list, but right. I and I and I think I said that we would capture some of the comments, the shared reflection reflections on chat in our summary, oh. um, just because we were we're uh, pressed for time, um, and then everyone can read the comments in our summary. Apologies that we didn't catch everybody's voices, um, but we have forty nine. <laughs> Uh, members in the room today. So um, I just wanted to go over, so your, this is your group's process timeline. You started in March, I wanna give you a context and then I wanted to just talk about um, a few initial steps and please bear with me, process seems really tedious as you know, we have this sense of urgency to do work and to really dig in on the topics and have speakers come in and just break out and do this hard work together. But please bear with me. I'm gonna I'm gonna go through this. So you had your first meeting, um, and then um, we were able to come in and introduce ourselves on April 9th. Um, Today, we're, we just want to give you a process update in terms of you've been receiving some items for us. One is um, the assessment, small group assessment interview that we're scheduling. Thank you all for helping us schedule that, put on schedule. Everyone's so busy, 40 something members. So if you can imagine the challenge, but we're getting some rich information from that. Um, we just had our first yesterday and we got some great information, awesome group, just really eager to begin. We're also trying to work on a charter for you. And the question is, why a charter? We're just here for six months. We just want to get this work done. But really, when you all get down to making decisions and voting and, you know, you need, we, we feel like that process foundation will help you make decisions um, more effectively. So, um, so we have a questionnaire that went out to you all to ask you for your input on what you feel would be best, what best serve your group process. We're gonna synthesize all that. We're gonna share it out with you to, uh, to get more feedback in a draft and then, a, um, and then incorporate that. And then you will have the opportunity to adopt your charter. And then you will use that charter as a reference whenever you have some questions. Am I allowed to do this? Is what's allowed here? You know those questions come up. So I just wanted to, um, to cover these items and thank you all uh, for responding uh, so far. And we have a deadline of April 28th for, for that information. Um, and we're doing all of this under you know, the radar. We're not working on it in the meetings. We wanna do it outside. And thank you all for putting more time and effort into it um, outside of the time that you've already put into the meetings. Um, okay, so the other item, I don't want to miss anything. Um, we want to highlight that after each meeting, we're going to uh, send you a questionnaire 
So we were soliciting input from you on how we can improve our process, what topics um, we didn't cover, what we did well, what we didn't do well, so that we can improve this process for you so that it can be more effective. Um, so we thank you for your time on every each and every of these options. And as you see on the timeline, there's a lot of TBDs. And that the reason for that is because you all, your input will go into determining some of these uh, topic areas, speakers, um, how we're gonna break out, how we're gonna do small groups, subgroups, so forth. This um, next meeting we have for you, uh, we're proposing uh, some small group work. Uh, we're gonna design that. And then we're, we're proposing a presentation um, from Police Chief Mata, um, as well as potentially another um, speaker. So please give us your input on that so that we can design um, these workshops and meetings that meet your needs. Um, I'm going to stop there. Is, Abby, did I miss anything? Oh, community engagement. So we got a question yesterday in small group about, are we allowed to do community engagement? So I just want to hit it. Um, Community engagement has been conducted all along. It, it, we sh this should be, you know, back a little bit more. All these icons at the bottom, it's supposed to uh, symbolize it's ongoing. Uh, it's been uh, ongoing and that's how you all formed. But your one of your charges to reach out to your communities to do additional outreach to those communities that are impacted, the vulnerable communities, new, voices that you feel are missing in this process. So we encourage you to continue the, um, the outreach and engagement process with your communities and bring them into um, this forum so that we can have you know, a broader perspective and representation um, on that. Okay, I'm gonna stop there. I, I don't wanna talk too much. And we're asking for clarifying questions at this point. We're, um, and any questions that require more detailed response, again, we're gonna put it in the safe and then we're gonna provide responses outside of this meeting. Do, okay, uh, Poncho's hand is up. Uh, yeah, it, my name is pronounced Poncho, by the way, CC. Thank you, thank Poncho, you for sorry. the opportunity to be able to speak. Um, I, I just wanted to um, share that I had sent out an email to members of the advisory committee earlier that includes a, um, a, a basic framework for process um, that includes some of the, uh, incorporates some of the feedback that we've heard in the first couple of meetings. We're five weeks in to a six month process. And, uh, and so being able to um, expeditiously move to a, a place where we're able to kind of center some of these uh, important conversations and presentations for this space. Um, uh, they're detailed in there. I'm not gonna necessarily go through it. I just like to ask that uh, we're able to, um, that it, instead of, replying to your uh, survey, I wanted to be able to do this. And this is, um, this comes from um, some work of about, um, about a dozen or so folks um, and, uh, and another 30 other organizations that, uh, that are invested in the process. So we came up with a proposal. We'd love for you to be able to consider it. Um, I don't know uh, where or how from a perspective of democratic participation that you wanted to be able to emphasize, but we did not have any time to really go through um, these points yesterday in our focus group, we were um, staying at a very, you know, we, we had very limited time to be able to do so. So, um, so I'd, I'd love to know how we could, um, this is not a perfect proposal, but it's just uh, something there. So um, how we could uh, expeditiously um, advance this or other alternatives and, and get into subgroups where we're able to 
especially uh, sensory lived experience and be able to do that and have that engagement process happen um, and then take uh, potentially take the time here to be able to have deeper dive presentations on various topics. So thank you. Moncho, thank you for that. And uh, I did see it come through the inbox. I haven't had a chance to review it and our team will definitely sit down and review it, make, take it into consideration, build that into uh, a, a proposed work plan. Uh, so thank you so much for doing that um, as we missed a, a couple of meetings at the beginning. Um, I'm going to call on Peter. Thank you, Cece. Um, so in regards to reaching out to our community and, and bringing them for an engaged conversation, there is a, a, a subset of the community that I've continued to raise since the first meeting, which is the families of those who've lost loved ones to police violence here locally in the city of San Jose. Um, you know, I, I want to make sure that they're engaged, but it's important to me and I think for them that if they are engaged, that it's thoughtful and that it's done um, in, in a way that actually uh, uh, listens to their opinions and values their opinions and it's then reflected into the overall work group. I don't want to you know, reach out to certain community members who have important things to say uh, just for, you know, looks and, and for show. Um, it's important to me that if we are going to be representing our communities, we're going to be bringing them to the table, that their, their recommendations are taken into consideration and are valued. So I, I will be moving forward, but uh, I, want, I wanted to preface that to make sure that I, I don't want to, this is a vulnerable community, so I want to make sure that they're respected. Thank you. Peter, thank you for bringing that up. And we um, will make note to be very sensitive. Um, and we'll, you know, we can work with you, Peter, on designing a process that, that would honor, um, you know, their sensitivities as well. So I just wanted to say that, um, but thank you for sharing that. Uh, okay, Jennifer, do you have a clarifying question? Uh, I don't know if it's a question. I, 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 I think this, this process today and it has felt harmful that we're once again asking black men to defend whether or not the reality of white supremacy exists. I, we need to rethink this entire process and what we are trying to do here because uh, this, this is not working. Jennifer, are you talking about this meeting or this group, can you? clarify. This meeting, as it relates to being on this task force, I'm unclear like the rest of, of many folks that have made comments that I'm not sure what we're trying to do. But today, today is, has been very concerning. Okay, perhaps we could touch base with you to get some clarity um, offline. Uh, Jim, do you have um, a clarifying question? Uh, yes, and uh, you know, thank you, thank you. Uh, I appreciate all the comments today. I'm literally learning a great deal about our community. Uh, the question I have is that this is being recorded, and when we go out to our community, we would like to say that if you missed the meetings, the previous meetings of this group, you can go back and you can link it to this particular session or whatever. Is it going to be posted on the city's website? I guess that's what I'm asking. Can we get some clarification on that? Maybe Gina or Peter? Yes, I believe our intent is to post them. Okay, thank you very much. I really, I really do miss meeting in person. I know Zoom is the best thing that we can do for right now, but 
meeting in person or sitting around the table and being able to look people eye to eye and understand really what they're saying and what they're meaning by their either bo their body language uh, or even before meetings and after meetings having side conversations for clarification of what they actually mean and what they're speaking about and what groups they represent and what those groups mean and what those groups are talking about. So I'm looking forward to being able to meet you know, in person. I'm also looking forward to the private work groups because I think we can get a lot done in those private work groups that we can't get in a large setting like this. So thank you. Thank you, Jim, for your comment. And we, we noted that and we'll make sure to, to consider, you know, definitely smaller groups um, in our future work. Um, I think Mimi, did you had your did you have your hand up? Um, I posted it in the chat just to save oh. time. Thank, Thank you so much. Okay, and then um, in terms of Charles, do we have any clarifying questions in the in the chat from group members before we move on? Um, I haven't seen clarifying questions um, from any of the panelists. There's been a lot of commentary, but okay. but so far I think uh, I think we're okay. Okay, and we'll capture those comments in our in our written summary. Okay, so um, I think we can. Oh, sorry, Kathleen. I missed you. I'm sorry. sorry. I, I just want to say something in response to Jennifer, and I think a, a lot of the comments have been made today. So I put in the chat that, you know, Audre Lorde in 1981 taught, gave a very powerful speech on the uses of anger. Um, and, and I think it's really important for us as a group to, to not have the expectation that the work that we're doing is going to be easy and that it's going to be without conflict or that people are going to have to moderate themselves, I think. Most of us, I think all of us are carrying the pain and anger of our communities as well, you know, and so I think that because we believe so deeply in what we are, we would like for this group to do, I want to challenge us to really think about what anger really means. Anger means a commitment, a motivation. I mean, um, and I don't want to spend too much time talking about this, but if you can recall how you felt after the verdict came out. Um, you know, so I didn't have the anger that I had and I was anticipating, but I was just exhausted afterwards and really didn't feel like I could process much. And I think a lot of people felt that. But what that shows us is that anger drives a lot of our work. It's a very productive emotion, um, you know, in many ways. It drives my work in social justice. Um, I pretty much speak like this all the time when I'm talking about these issues. And so it's really, I think it's important for us to, to really know what our set point is for tolerating um, anger and expressions of anger and disagreement, but also to to care for each other because this is what's going to happen in a group this size as well as with the, the issues that are so complex. Um, and so I just wanted to hold everyone in, you know, in my arms to, to know that it has been a very, very hard meeting um, for me and I know for many of you. And so I just wanted to, to make that understood that this is what it's going to take. It's staying engaged um, in the conversation and staying engaged with each other, no matter how hard it is, it's what's going to get things done. And so I just wanted to say that. So, Thank you, Kathleen. And Angel, I, I saw in the chat um, a request, and I don't want to put the chief on the spot, but I want to make sure also the chief has um, space to share as well. Chief, it's okay if you decline, but if, would you like to have the floor for a moment? Sure, I just wanted to, uh, I know we uh, talked about uh, putting uh, that response in the safe, but I think uh, given uh, the, the commentary, it's uh, important for 
for the group to hear uh, from me. And, and thank you, Dr. Wong, uh, for um, mentioning your comments. Uh, this is all about respect and uh, you know caring for each other. So I totally uh, agree with your comments. Uh, so in regards to the question that was uh, that was posed, is uh, what does the police department uh, need or what needs to be addressed uh, from, from this work uh, in, in terms of reimagining uh, public safety? Uh, it's gonna be our role as law enforcement, how we can partner uh, with others um, to address the unhoused issue, uh, substance abuse issue, uh, and other issues that uh, require a uh, law enforcement response. And also um, with that is to increase our community engagement that has been mentioned already, uh, which is uh, having exchange uh, from with our community uh, dialogue uh, of those lived and shared experiences and acknowledging the, the harm uh, that our profession has, has caused on our communities. Uh, and, that, and that engagement is gonna include uh, obtaining feedback, uh, providing, uh, getting input from our communities uh, to make the necessary changes. Uh, and, and finally, it, it's gonna be in regards to um, diversity. We, and I understand uh, that uh, our profession is a part of the uh, racist system has, uh, has been mentioned before, uh, but I just want uh, the members on this, um, in this group to know uh, that we won't tolerate racism with, within our ranks and anyone who acts with bias will be dealt with. Uh, but again, it, it all starts with each one of us uh, and I look forward to uh, continuing a respectful dialogue uh, with this group so we can move forward uh, with this great important work that we have to do. Thank you. Thank you, Chief. And if I may move us along, I know Shannon, um, I think Kathleen's hand is still up, but um, you have a comment, but can we come back to you? I think uh, Angel has an explanation and uh, some slides to show you just uh, to explain your role and scope. And I think it, there's just a lot of questions around that. And I think we could, we would like to move on to that so that we can talk to that so that you all can get some answers. Um, Angel, do you want to take the mic? Yeah, yeah. Why don't we pull up that slide? And, and while we're doing that, you know, I'd like to acknowledge the, um, you know, the shared reflections that we heard. You know, the, the whole continuum of them, uh, right? I mean, I think that that is part of this process. You know, I, I, I think, I think it's important to give people a forum to speak their truth, right? And, um, and I think if we just jumped right into, let's just get into our groups and get into the work and and, and kind of skip over that piece, I think we'd be missing. A big part of this work. Uh, I don't think we need to just stay here either, but I do think it's important to create that space so that people have an opportunity to speak their truth. I personally have a lot of emotion and a lot of different, uh, you know, thoughts about these various issues as well. And so, uh, anyway, I just wanted to acknowledge, uh, you know, everyone who shared. And yes, this is not an easy conversation. Um, I, I think we clearly we need to do a better job of clarifying the role of this. Um, this advisory group. And, and if you take a look uh, at this, I think we've got to kind of step back and, and, and take, a, take a macro look first. And about six months ago, uh, right around the time, you know, a little post, uh, um, yeah, about six months ago, um, 
the Marin Council adopted a list of 20 police reform items that they wanted the police department to really do a deeper dive on, and not just the police department, the uh, independent police auditor, uh, as well as the, um, you know, with, with oversight of, of the city manager's office, uh, with, with many of them, to really begin to take a look at what are some things that we need to change, that we need to address, that we need to modify within our police department. And right around that same time, we also knew that we had to undergo a process of selecting a new police chief, right? And so we wanted to kind of time these things where one, we wanted to make sure, the, the, the council wanted to make sure that that we, we already begin to generate a list of, of, of areas of concern, things that we need to address at a high level, uh, organizationally within the police department around police reform. And so that's that's that one body of work. Uh, we, we have a list of those 20, we can provide that to you as well. But um, within that list, there was two specific action items that went directly to the city manager's office and to the independent police auditor. One, one was the uh, review of the use of force. Pretty good was was the, the the review of use of force and uh 21st century policing and that review is being led by the independent police auditor uh with with assistance from their consultant group and we saw that work intersecting with our work um and we'll have an opportunity this group will have an opportunity those that are interested in weighing in on that process will have the an opportunity to weigh in on use of force and 21st century and so that was that was one of the items within that list of 20 police reforms. A second one was this work of reimagining community safety. And around reimagining community safety, really the focus was more around what do we need to do differently to ensure safety in our community? And, and, and this work, yes, of course, will include uh, you know, the police department, but should also include other partners, uh, faith community, nonprofits, uh, schools, um, uh, other county services, uh, and, and so forth. And, and the idea being that let's do a deeper dive and let's convene a cross sector of the community to really explore alternatives to police response. Are there ways, are there things that we could do to de-emphasize police response? Are there certain re current responses right now that the police is responding to that maybe they, don't, they shouldn't be responding to? You know, for example, mental health, uh, or for or or uh, you know, as as one example, and so so really the charge of this group is really to take a look at are there other alternatives to police responses uh, as we address community need out there and social issues, right? And so uh, and and with a very strong emphasis on reducing non-criminal social conflicts and not uh, not allowing things to escalate. Uh, to the point of, of uh, you know, say a mental health response escalating to the death of somebody because we could have handled it differently as, as one example. That's probably the most common example. We also wanted to use this opportunity to, to really take a look at what does our community need now, especially in the context of COVID and, in, and, and the pandemic that we're, we're coming out of. We know that uh, there was, there's been a lot of issues around inequity that have already been alive and well in our city and they've been exacerbated with COVID and, and many of our, our, our youth families and seniors and, 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 and other, and other parts of our community find themselves at the unhoused, find themselves in situations where they need much more assistance and much more help. Right. And so we have an opportunity here to take a look at how do we meet uh, the needs of, 
of, of, of those in our community um, in, in different ways, right? And uh, and so and so that's really the, the focus of this group here, you know, and, and it's really taking the data, it's taking the lived experience and then translating that into action in terms of things that we could do right now. Right. And so so if you kind of step back, you see kind of these three parallel tracks. Right. You have this police reform body of work, which, by the way, you know, now that we have a police chief Mata on, on board, um, you know, it, it, he'll he'll be working on the way to further engage community input and stakeholders into informing that work of police reform. And that's so that's one big bucket. And then the two sub buckets within that are the use of force, which this group can also weigh in on, and then um, and 21st century policing. And then the more immediate work of this group here is really looking at alternative ways to address community need to ensure safety. And so recommendations can be formulated based on the data, based on a lot of the information that was shared uh, th this afternoon, uh, recommended to council for action. And that's really the operative word is, is over the next six months, what action can we take now, right? Because we know that our communities are hurting now. Meanwhile, with the other tracks, we'll deal with more of the systemic issues that we need to also uh, address head on. And so let, let me just stop there to, to see if there's any clarifying questions, uh, because I, I do think it's important that we all leave this meeting with a good understanding of what this group is charged with, uh, because if not, then it's just gonna add to more confusion. Uh I see we have a clarifying question from Walter. Hi, um, Angel, thank you for that uh, presentation. It partially answers some uh, conversational questions that you and I had, but it doesn't really uh, clarify everything that I need to have clarified. Okay. On the issue of police reform, who did you say is leading that charge? Yeah, uh, the issue of police reform, the San Jose Police Department is leading that charge and dependent on that will never that will never work in 100 years. I'm just going to tell you, I'm not going to have a big conversation about that. Yeah. You, so, so basically, you're telling me the San Jose Police Department is going to head the reform to reform themselves in their own historical practices. Is no, that let, what I'm hearing? No, let, let, let me finish. Let me finish my point. So, yeah, please. so the San Jose Police Department is is point on on taking responsibility for uh, for identifying the work, framing the issues and all that, but done under with the oversight of the city manager's office. The police department reports to our city manager. And so, so ultimately at the end of the day, the majority of those 20 items fall under that jurisdiction, police department up through the city manager. Now there are a few in there, like for example, that report that would go directly to, to for example, the independent police auditor, okay. which is another appointed office. The, the IPA does not report to the city managers. The IPA reports directly to the mayor and council. And so those that correspond to, to, uh, to Siobhan will, will go up that route. And then there's others that involve the city attorney, which is another appointed uh, office by the mayor and council. Those that, that, that pertain to uh, the legal side and that aspect of it will report up through uh, Nora Freeman, and then to the mayor and council. So those are the so, three so, kind of points. Angel, Angel, I heard you. Let me say this to you, man. When we first started this, I said, please don't waste my time. I, I, I begged you for that. And I'm telling you right now, what you just told us is a complete waste of time. If they could have reformed themselves, they would have done it 100 years ago. If they had the wherewithal to reform themselves, it didn't take George Floyd dying for this to happen. I mean, this, everything has to be community driven. We're here. And you're telling us we're going to follow the lead of the people who, who need to be 
who need to be um, completely changed. Somebody said earlier, this thing is police department is doing what it was designed to do. Okay. And that is the absolute fact. And so the idea that the police department is going to head police reform. Okay. Listen, th thank you. I appreciate this. I have to go. Have a great day. All right. Well, the piece that the piece that you're missing here is uh, I'm honing in on the reimagining community safety part of this work. And that's, and that's the piece that we're speaking of. Uh, that's the piece that we're speaking about in this, uh, you know, with this advisory group, right, is what, what can we do now to ensure the safety of our community and to look at doing things differently, right? How do we de-escalate? How do we de-emphasize police response, right? Uh, and, that's, and that's, I think, a, a pretty great opportunity to make some transformative change. I know it's not an easy conversation and nor is it the norm because, you know, point to how many cities are actually engaging in this. And I can see why they're not because the risk is very high. <clears throat> what we're doing here in San Jose is we're basically saying, let's ask different questions. And we know that we can't fully transform the entire system from one day to the next or in a six month period. But what we can do is in this six month period, take advantage of this opportunity to, to bring together key community leaders provide them a forum, and let's look at different ways to serve our community uh, because what we've done in the past hasn't always worked. And that's the, that's the challenge that I would put out to this group. Now, I know if, if, if the focus is solely on police reform, then we'll need to take that issue on a separate, you know, th that's a separate track that we could talk about, you know, separately. Um, and I think there are opportunities to really improve that process and enhance that process leading to to substantive police reform, but but I'm, I'm speaking specifically right now around this effort, which is around reimagining community safety and the great opportunity that we have there to serve our children, youth, adults, the disabled, you, you name it, in a different way. Angel, thank you, thank you so much, and I know that you're. I mean, um, I've I've heard I heard you say that there is uh, opportunity for this group to have input into that, those processes. And it's it's just the governance of it is that what you're talking about. And I, I'm going to jump in and do the hard thing here. I know Kathleen and Fred, you may have some quick clarifying questions, but we do wanna give um, the uh, members of the public a chance to uh, make public comment. And then we are going to carry this conversation forward in another meeting. We also want to respect your time uh, because it is 2.45, we want to get you out of here by three. And we don't want to keep you because you've already given us your valuable time. So um, if you want to make a comment, um, and I understand it's Dr. Wan, please, uh, if you can keep it brief so that we can move on to public comment, we would really appreciate it. So I just want to know, just in looking at this diagram, I think what's really critically missing, because many of us have served on many different committees, is, it, committees, is that there's no opposite arrow going the other direction in terms of accountability to this group. And so to me, that would add a lot, right? Not saying this is a perfect model, but I want to see arrows in the opposite direction. So it's not, we're just handing a report and then they do what they want and we have no idea what's being done. I'd like to see opposite arrows coming back towards this committee because we are, we are devoting a lot of time 
um, you know, I've, I've had to cancel two meetings to be at this meeting. So, so, and this is really important because it's an important issue. So I, I'd like to see written language about the arrow in the other direction as well. What does that look like? So I'll just say that. That's all I want to say. Very good point, Dr. Wong. And we'll, we'll um, make that an action for us to um, get a response for you on that because beyond September, what's going to happen? Um, Chief, uh, I think I saw your hand up. Yes, thank you, uh, Cece. Let me try to lower it here. Yeah, I just want to add to what uh, Angel was saying. Um, we know that police reform is, 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 is just one part of it. And what uh, Angel was mentioning is the police reform uh, items that we've already in the process or have undertaken uh, were a result of this summer's uh, incident. And these are uh, reforms and changes that the city council wanted us to uh, undertake. And those are what we're addressing specifically. Uh, I understand that there's gonna be more work that uh, results out of this group, uh, not only reimagining, but uh, other uh, police reform items that may result of, out of this group. So I hope that the group doesn't understand, uh, understands that the group, uh, the police reform items that we are undertaking now are as a result of council recommendations that we uh, enact immediately. And there are future or will be future police reform uh, work that will be undertaken by the department and, and this group. Thank you, Chief. And I, I see uh, Assistant uh, Deputy Chief Joseph. Yes, thank you for giving me an opportunity to speak. You know, I, I hear a lot of emotion in the voices of the people on this panel. And that emotion is very sincere, very palpable. And uh, it comes from the experience that they've had. And it's, it's unfortunate that uh, an institution that I've devoted my entire adult life to has caused so much pain in this community. And all I can say is I'm, I'm trying to give a little bit of a human element maybe from our side as to why we're participating in this in this process, because we do want to be more responsive to the community. We do. We are hearing the things you're saying. They're not falling on deaf ears. Um, and but at the same time, if we're talking, if there's some conversation right now about exactly what the focus of this particular group is, and that focus is maybe somewhat limited, look, there are huge societal issues that, that affect all of these things, all of these interactions that we're having. And, and we all realize that this group can't solve every one of those enormous societal issues. But if we can come out of this process with some tangible changes to the way uh, the San Jose Police Department is serving this community. I mean, I do think that can be beneficial and that is that is what we are here trying to do. So I, I hope that if there was uh, talk of, of a limitation on this group's commitment or this group's work, it's not that we don't recognize some of these bigger issues. It's just that we're trying to come out with something that will make a difference on a daily basis in how we police. Uh, Maha, can you... Are you, oh, thank you. Yeah, can I just ask? So I just want to. I just want to clarify. We are then with to work on these four issues here that you have here. Explore alternative police responses. To um, so I just wanted to clarify that these are the four issues that we've been asked to work on. Correct, Cece. Uh, I'm going to leave that answer to um, Angel or Zuma. 
Yeah, yeah, that that, that is correct. You know, we're we're, okay. we're charged here to really take a look at alternatives to police responses. Uh, what would that look like? What should they be? How how should that be done? What do we need to make it happen? Those kinds okay. of things. The one thing I, I, I would say this, you know, because I, I believe there is a lot of good ideas and and a lot of passion for really addressing the police reform issues. I would recommend that we incorporate a subcommittee, you know, because as we break this group down, we create a subcommittee specific to police reform that will meet directly with the chief and PD and inform that process. That way, those issues specifically, and I know there's a number of, 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 of group members here that have a, a, a special interest in that specific you know, function, we could build that into that process and that could be a subcommittee that's that with, with a line directly to the police chief and his team specifically on the police reform. And then the other, the other, the rest of the group based on where they want to kind of fit in can address some of the other areas. You know, we, you know, I think there's an opportunity to really look at how we better serve children and youth, our disabled community, you know, the unhoused, uh, you know, the list goes on. Um, you know, if, if that would help uh, facilitate it, I do. I did get a chance to, to skim Bonchol's uh, recommendation. Uh, I think there's some good recommendations in terms of structure and process there that we, I think, should take a good look at, and uh, and we'll do that. At, you know, after this meeting, um, but that way it allows us to kind of really, you know, break ourselves into groups and really get this work done and really get to the action part, right? Because I know that's what everybody's kind of itching to do is let's get to some action, let's get to some change. And I'm with you on that. Angel, thank you. And Maha, could could we just, take, oh, just a quick just follow up. Clarification, okay. Just clarification, just clarification. And then Micah, and then uh, I think it's Micah. I'm sorry mm -hmm. if I mispronounce it. Um, okay. We need to move on. Thank you. A lot of the issues that were raised today could potentially fall into one of these four categories, but are you open to adding in a fifth one if, if those issues don't fall in there? And presumably, whatever we come up with will feed into the police uh, reform. That's one question. The second is, can we just form committees around these, around these issues? Um, I'm probably only, I only have a core competency maybe in one or two of these issues, but not others. Can we form the committees around these, around these issues is my second question. And, and that, Maha, that is a, um, an involved question. So we will revisit that with you um, and work through some of the details that you're thinking about. Okay, all right. Uh, Micah, and I'm sorry if it if I mispronounced. That's okay, it's Mika, that's Mika. all right. Okay. I, appreciate, um, I appreciate that. Uh, you know, on that. I wanna follow up on Angel's comment about getting to action. You said maybe we form a subgroup um, on police reform. I see in the, in the chat, um, Public Defender Molly O'Neill, uh, my boss, also made the same recommendation. Um, if uh, I don't know what process we're using, but um, if if a motion needs to be made to propose that and drive action, I so move. And so noted. And um, yeah, we'll put some of those decision-making rules in the charter for you all. Um, so I'm going to um, transition us Abby's going to come up and talk about next steps. Clear actions are coming out of this meeting, so we definitely want to capture it, and then we want to let you know what's coming up, and then we're going to take public comment. And at this point, um, it looks like we're going to have to limit um, public comment to about 60 seconds today, unfortunately. Yeah, sure. Just to clarify, 60 seconds per person. Um, <laughs> just very briefly, I know we're running short on time here. Some of the next steps that 
um, we wanted to highlight for advisory group members is uh, we have our small group interviews coming up. We had one yesterday. Um, so we're looking forward to talking with you in a smaller setting there. Um, a key item is we're requesting feedback on this governance charter that we've mentioned a few times today um, and uh, in this via this questionnaire. And the second part of the questionnaire is um, asking for data, resources, and community perspectives that you think are critical in this process. And I know you received a lot in the chat today, so we'll be um, incorporating those shared. Also, just to note here, um, we developed this questionnaire to try to hit a lot of these key topics, but if you'd rather share your feedback via email or like uh, Poncho has done and sent you know, a document, that's great. We'll take, we're just trying to make it as easy as possible for you to share your ideas with us. So if it's the questionnaire or if it's another format, that's fine. Um, we're asking for some of this by April 28th. It's a bit of a quick turnaround, but these meetings are every two weeks. So we're trying to get as much done as possible. Um, we're also going to send out a post-meeting survey. It's kind of confusing that we have two, a questionnaire and a survey. This is about kind of the meeting and how suggestions for how it could be improved. Um, there's this community engagement piece which we've heard, we talked about that earlier. Next up for the advisory group, as we've talked about today, having some clarity on the vision statement and then identifying these focal areas to discuss and develop recommendations on. That's some of the subgroup conversations we've been having today. So we've heard definite focal topics already and it sounds like we have some motions even for the police reform subgroup. Um, these are just some items coming up on the May 6th meeting. I won't um, spend time, CC mentioned them earlier and I think we might have to adapt based on what we've heard. And, and we will be sharing a meeting summary from today and some of the questions that we heard that we put in that safe um, and we wanna be as responsive as possible given the short timeline. Um, I see a quick question, date and time of the next meeting is May 6th, same time. And I think there are others, but I know we have other time, maybe I can respond in the chat. Let's move into um, public comment, Charles. Yes. Yeah, so, okay, so we'll transition now to public comment. Um, we're gonna invite members of the public to share comment on topics relating to today's agenda. And advisory group members are, are asked to consider uh, all of your comments and their deliberations as they prepare and develop their own recommendations. Uh, so given both where we're at time-wise and assuming there are a number of interested parties who wish to share public comment, we, um, as was mentioned, we're gonna offer each person one minute to speak and we will share uh, share screen a timer so each person knows how much time they have left. Uh, Gina is going to help us to keep track of that. And uh, if uh, she will notify you actually when your time is up, uh, if you have not yet finished speaking. Uh, and so please indicate if you would like to share comment by using the raise hand function and we'll call on you in the order in which the hands are raised. Uh, and so we ask commenters to respect the same participation guidelines, of course, that advisory group members agreed to today. And uh, you know, again, we just appreciate your time in joining today's meeting. Um, and so we will, let's see. And Charles, just so uh, we let uh, members go who need yeah. to, um, we wanna respect their time, but hopefully some members can stay so that you can hear the public comment. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, for advisory group members, you know, we understand you committed to two hours today and so, um, we encourage you to stay and hear uh, members of the public uh, directly, hear from them directly, but we do understand if you have other commitments and, and you have to drop off. So um, yeah, I think with that said, are there, are there any hands raised
from members of the public? Yes, we have Paul Soto. Okay. Is Paul unmuted? Uh, yes, this is Paul Soto. I'm a lifelong resident of San Jose, uh, a sixth generation San Josean. And I watched the, uh, the questioning of the all the police chiefs, and I watched it twice. And then I've had the opportunity to have a conversation with both, uh, uh, to meet and speak with uh, uh, Deputy Chief Joseph and Chief Mata. And I have confidence because he, Chief Mata was the only panelist that spoke about SB 1421. No one has spoken about SB 1421. He was the only one on that entire panel that spoke about that issue. And so what he was doing in that moment was reflecting back to the, me, the community, that he understood what the issues are from our perspective. And he knew that he was going to use the power of his office to address those issues. And that's what allowed me to have confidence in this entire process. I've been to all these meetings and I'll continue to be at these meetings to participate as just a citizen. Okay, thank you, Paul. Who's next? So do we have any more hands raised or? No hands raised. Okay. All right, well, if we have no further public comment, uh, thank you all for, for making the time today. Um, Cece, you wanna close Thank out? you, Charles. And I, I think, you know, thank you from our uh, team here today for bearing with us on the process, but we, we're here to support you, um, just know that. And we wanna offer um, Angel or Suma an opportunity to uh, close here today, and then we'll adjourn. I just want to thank everybody for being here. I know it, it's been kind of, for, for some, very painful and for others, you know, because of process and, and but, uh, but you know what, just, just hang in there with us because I think, uh, you know, we, we, we're not following a manual. We're not following, you know, we're kind of doing this as we go here. I think we heard a great deal of good information today. I think we, if we ground this the right way, we have an opportunity to really provide some transformative change in our city. Uh, from day one, we said it wasn't going to be easy, uh, but um, just hang in there with us. Uh, we're open to to feedback and, uh, you know, course corrections and things like that. Uh, you know, we'll keep it organic, but I will assure you that our commitment to this is real. And at the end of the day, I think we could really help impact the lives of many in our community if we if we stick with this and do this right. So I just want uh, to just encourage us to kind of keep, keep on and, and just personally, just thank you very much. And with that, with respect, we adjourn the meeting. <laughs>